0: Evening church, just to start off this sermon, I would like to do, I would like to share with you just a little observation that I've been observing throughout the years, and it goes like this, that I think people, general humanity, are becoming more and more impatient. Like I see more impatient people than patient people. We just look at the world today, like everyone wants fast cars. And those who even have fast cars, well, you know what? There's cars everywhere on the road. And sometimes in a traffic jam, even if you have a Lamborghini or Ford Fiesta, it doesn't matter. And then the guys in the Lamborghini, they're they're road raging because they're not going fast enough. Even with the internet. If you had to pick between 3G, 4G or 5G, what would you prefer? Dial-up or NBN? You'll pick the faster internet speed, right? But even when NBN fails you, because you know our NBN here in Australia is really bad, we, we rage, don't we? And let's be honest. Those of you in the week, have you found yourself scrolling through, let's say, Facebook or YouTube, and the video took too long to load, and you just skipped the whole video altogether? Because you don't have time for that. Where Did you catch yourself doing that? Pretty much every invention and innovation that we have is, is, has something to do with making things easier or has something to do with speed. Let's just look at the fast food chains. It's not, the food's not fast enough, so you know what they invented? The drive through And, you know, coffee, coffee was meant to be invented to, for people to sit down and, you know, just talk to each other. But now there's drive through coffee. Oh, one lane's not fast enough. Let's have two lanes. Have you found those MuzzBuzz booths and Zarafas? And I don't know if you have driven in one throughout this week. And there's something with, like, like what I said last week, there's something with a modern lifestyle, this rapid pace, that is not leading us to the restoration of our souls, but in, instead is, it's pretty detrimental to it. We are losing the arts of being patient in this instant, right-now society. And let me ask you, have you waited for something or someone during this week? And you got pretty annoyed. Was it someone special? Vindo, I've waited for someone all my life and I found no one. And it was a 15-year-old that said that to me. I'm like, go study. Don't even think about that person yet. But surprisingly, even 30-year-olds and 40-year-olds have said that to me. I've waited all my life and I found no one. And when you get to that age, waiting for someone special can be a very tiring thing. You might be waiting for a job. You might even be just waiting for an interview. You may be waiting for your business to pick up. But if you wait for those sort of things that I've just mentioned, they will fail us. And if you wait long enough, you'll get very fatigued of waiting for those things. And the truth is, none of us, let's be honest, none of us likes the process of waiting. But I want to encourage you tonight that if you're going to wait for someone or something, I want to encourage you to wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. And that's where our, today's Bible passage is found tonight. In Isaiah 40 verses 28 to 31. LCD guy, can you change it to the ESV version? And I want to point to you three reasons why we can wait on the Lord. You ready? Just, just three reasons tonight that I'll go through. We can wait on God because He's never tired. We can wait on God because He's good. And we can wait on God because He's working. But before we start and dive into the sermon, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we wait upon you, Lord, we pray that you send your Holy Spirit to transform us into the likeness of your Son. Lord, help us in this time to understand your passage. Lord, for those who who are tired and, and weary. Lord, those of us who who haven't had enough sleep and feeling tired right now, Lord, we we just pray for some energy just to help us open your eyes and and help our hearts be open to to listen into your words. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Point 1. Wait on God because he doesn't grow tired. Now there was once a time when I was gonna meet up with a friend back in Brisbane, and we were gonna to go to Brisbane CBD together. Why? To play some Yu-Gi-Oh cards, yeah, So there was a whole club there, and you know they were dueling. Um, it's time to duel sort of stuff, and and I was into Yu-Gi-Oh cards, and then I had a, you know I had my deck ready, and I was meant to meet up with this guy, so I took the public transport bus and. Another bus and then train. It took me an hour just to get to the city. And then I get to the meeting place and I'm waiting for my friend Aaron. And I've been waiting and waiting for him. So 15 minutes into it, I'm like, okay, uh, maybe he's just a little bit late. Five, Five more minutes, I waited. So I'm waiting for 20 minutes now. And then I'm trying to call him. No answer. I'm trying to Facebook message him, WhatsApp him, Instagram chat him, like everything. I'm trying to I'm just trying to contact this guy, but no answer. But then after another ten minutes, I'm just calling around and then I got his brother's number and then I called his brother, yo Amos, where Aaron at? And then this is what Amos said over the phone. Oh Aaron, he's still sleeping. Oh Amos, pass the phone to your brother right now. And then Amos passed the phone to Aaron, and this is what I said. You done messed up, Aaron. I didn't say that. I thought that. I was more gentle than that. Um, But this is only one example where when you wait on someone, even though it's a good friend, they can still fail you. And today's passage in Isaiah, if you're reading from the ESV version, it says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they shall mount on wings like eagles, they shall run and not be weary, they shall walk and not be faint. Now, this is a very famous Bible verse here. You can see it on someone's mug, you can see it on people's walls, it's decorated at home. But the key part in this verse, it all depends on who you wait on. You get me? Who you wait on is super important. You're not waiting on someone or something. No, you're waiting on the Lord. And waiting on that particular someone is extremely important because what you're currently waiting on, what you, or in the NIV, what you put your hope in. Okay, What are you waiting on? What you put your hope in? Is it, is it that job? Is it that pay rise? Is it waiting for the Lord to give you a kid or waiting for your kids to grow up? because they're keeping you up at night? Is it waiting for that spouse? Is it waiting for that home? Is it for that car? Whatever it is. If it's not the Lord, then you have a high chance, a high possibility that you're going to end up pretty fatigued. But the Bible says, but if we wait on God that never grows tired, then this is, this is my conclusion, then you won't grow tired. Again, let's look at verse 31. The word wait. Wait. The word "wait" in this passage—you don't see it in the English, but you see it in the Hebrew—and that word is "guava," which literally means to wait or to hope, but it could literally mean to bind something together. So this invokes an image where you get strands of strings and you bind it all together to make a rope. And you know, you know what that means, church. Let's imagine us as a single, measly, weak strand of string. And you know who we are joining ourselves to? The almighty God who could do the impossible, who never grows tired or never grows weary. Of course we'll be strengthened because it's not our strength that's keeping everything together. No, no, it's in him that keeps us and everything else together. So, when we wait on a being that doesn't grow tired, then we won't grow tired because it's all on him. It's not us, it's all on him. Now, unlike my friend who had a big day the night before, the big nights the day before our meeting time, because Aaron, he's a social butterfly, he gets around there and he's in his early 20s, that's like the party age. But scripture says that even youth shall be faint and weary. Even young men shall fall exhausted. And this is true because I once was a youth at youth camps. And on the very last night of camp, to make the most of my time, I would often stay up all night. Why? To to get more D&Ms or to woo a certain girl. And I would think... My attitude to those all-nighters is, all-nighters are nothing. I'm a bulletproof window. I'm indestructible. (laughs) But the moment I go home, I knock out and I hibernate for two days straight. I don't know if you can relate. But God's not like that. Like we mentioned last week, God is, is very different from humans. Because humans, we're made to power down. And when we rest, we rest because we're tired. We rest to be restored, to recover. But when God rests, no, it was his choice. It was for him to set up the rhythm of creation. And, he, and the Bible also talks about even though God rests, the Bible says that he never slumbers. He's always attentive in our lives and he never gets tired and he never gets Tired of us. If you can picture a machine, like a machine like a printer that I often use, because I often print off sermon notes and Bible study notes, I would click print on my computer. And then I'll go away and I come back and the thing's never printed. Why? Because the printer's out of ink or the whole printer just breaks down. But God's very different to a machine because he will never run out of power and he will never break down. In verse 28, have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or weary. So my first point is simple. You can wait on God because he's never tied. And in turn, you won't grow tired. You actually be strengthened instead because it's his strength and not your own. My Second point. Wait on God because he's good. Wait on God because he's good. If you go home and read the rest of Isaiah for the the whole chapter itself, it talks about how marvelous, how awesome, how magnificent our God is. And again, if you read through your Bibles, if you read it daily, you will see Scripture and Scripture, Bible after passages and verses, expresses the goodness of our God. And particularly there's this other one verse in the New Testament Matthew chapter 7 verse 11 It says this If you who are evil He's talking about all humanity here Even if you think you're morally good But compared to God you're just, You just look evil If then you who are evil Know how to give good gifts to your children How much more would your heavenly father God Will give good gifts to those who ask him So what does this all mean? Because God is good. Because God is good. He can only give good gifts. I don't know if you can follow along with this, but when you pray, when you ask for something, there's normally three ways how God responds to you. It's either, yes, yes, I would give you more opportunities to share my gospel, to share about my son and about my love and to be an example for the world. Of course, I will give you more opportunities like that. Or sometimes, if your prayers are just whack, he will say no. He will say no. And I want to be honest with you tonight. God said no to me a lot. Especially when it came to girls in my single Malian stallion years. Oh, this girl seems good. Please, Lord, can I have her? But I knew inside my heart, God says, no, Dexter, she's not for you no Dexter she's also not for you and when he replies like that man I felt forever alone I felt so lonely songs in my head kept playing like hello darkness my old friend just just really depresso emo songs but down the track, after I met my wife, Demi, and we've been married for three years now, and, and it's, she's been awesome, and I can't wait to go to this marriage retreat that we have on the weekend just to enrich our marriage further. I look back, and I praise God because He said no, because He gave me the best person for me. And, and, and I love Demi, and, and she's so supportive. He said no in the past because he wanted the best for me. And when you get older, you won't be just thanking God for things that he said yes to. You'll also be thanking God for things that he said no to or the people that he said no to. And for you older folks, if you could think back to your old crushes, you you realize, man, I've dodged bullets like Neo from The Matrix. Because some of those girls, they're crazy. (laughs) Or those guys, they just end up really sloppy. God's good. And another way that he responds, which I reckon is the answer that we don't like the most, is when he says, wait. He says, yes, no, but sometimes he says, wait. And we're like, oh, wait. In Acts chapter 1, verses 4, while Jesus was eating with his disciples, Jesus said to the, his disciples, You guys don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit that my Father has promised you, which you have heard me talking about. Now the context is, of this is, why did, why did Jesus tell his disciples to wait? The context of this is they just seen Jesus was mocked, whipped and scorned. He died on the cross and everyone was laughing and mocking at them. And they were just laughing and, and, and laughing. And then Jesus was buried, but then he raised again from the, from the dead. And now they're thinking, now, now we're going to get the last laugh. Let, let, let's, let's share this news. Let, let's go, boys. And they were pumped. But why did Jesus say, guys, wait, wait. Because he knew that if his disciples go without the Holy Spirit, then that mission is just going to be epic fail. He knew that if his disciples go and share the gospel without the Holy Spirit, then they're just crazy. That's why he said, wait in that situation. Wait, because God is good and he gives You have to just trust that he gives good gifts. And when we read good gifts, we may just be thinking, oh, he's just going to give us good stuff. No, no, no. The first Bible readers, when they read this, how they would understand it, it's not just good stuff. No, no, it's the best thing. You get me? For example, what type of food tastes better? Stuff that you put in a microwave, a frozen pie that you defrost for five minutes, or something slow cooked in a pot? Would you like frozen pizza or wood fire pizza? Which one tastes better? Would you like frozen sausages or flame grilled pork ribs? Obviously, food that's cooked on a pot or an oven or a grill would taste way better than any food cooked in a microwave. And God, he's preparing the best things for us because he's that good. So wait, you can wait upon him. And our life's plans, if we are honest, if it was up to us to be the master of our lives, to be the captain of our own boat and ship, our life, if we could draw it up, we would like it to be like this. A to B. A to B. We like things straightforward. We like things to be instant. But most of the times, let me give you the reality how God plans our lives. It's like this. After twists and turns, scars and burns. And it gets messy. We have no idea where God's leading us most of the time. A Bible character by the name of Joseph told his brothers like Martin Luther King, I have a dream. That one day you will all bow down to me, and you know what his brothers did. So, if if this was my younger siblings, I would knock some godly sense into them. I would I would slap some like r- RSPCA respect into them. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph's brothers then sold Joseph into slavery, and. However, God was still with Joseph and he did well in, in that environment and he was trusted with his master. But then a few years later, his master's wife accused him of rape and then he gets shocked in prison. And even in prison, he gets put in charge because God's favor was upon him. And then years later, there was two guys that served the king that also got thrown into jail. And Joseph came to, to two of them and he said to one of them, bro, I got nothing for you. You're going to die. Sorry. But he said to the other one, hey, mate, you're going to be reinstated as the cupbearer. You're going to serve the king again. But if what I said is true, help a brother out. Get me out of jail. Remember me if you do get out of jail. So what Joseph said became true and that guy did go out of jail. But guess what? The guy that got scot-free totally forgot about Joseph. And then years and years later, until the king, the Pharaoh, had these weird, disturbing dreams and was trying to find an interpreter, but he couldn't find an interpreter. Only then did the servant that got out scot-free remember, oh, wait, I knew someone in prison who's really good at interpreting dreams. And the rest is history. Joseph then gets put as the right-hand man of the king, and God uses him to save nations and people from famine during that time. So why does God plan our lives to be like this? His ways is higher than our ways. But at the very end of the day, we know that he has plans to prosper us and not to harm us. There's Bible passages that say, you know, sometimes he wants to train you up to build up your character. And during the time of waiting, he's preparing you for something for you to serve him later on. And maybe you're in a season where you feel very frustrated, where you feel that you're not making any progress, you're just not happy. There's setbacks after setbacks. But someone said this. I said someone because I forgot who said it. An arrow would have to go backwards before it goes forward. An arrow would have to go backward before it goes forward. First point, wait on God because he doesn't grow tired and you will be strengthened. Second point, wait on God because he's good and because he's good, you can trust him. And my last point is, wait on God because he's working. Wait on God because he's working. As I was in Brisbane a few years back for a holiday, um, it was also around October and I went to this theme park called Movie World and it was a theme called Fright Night or something like that and and there was like scary mazes but then there was one ride that I saw everyone line up for and it was called the Doomsday Destroyer. Doomsday Destroyer, man, that, that name sounds scary already. And so, me and my crew and my group, we waited in line and we waited in line for an hour plus. And I'm just seeing people scream their lungs out with the thrill ride. And I'm like, man, I'm getting the chills. I can't wait to go on. And after an hour plus of waiting, then it was, then it was our turn. I hop onto the ride. They, they shut the things down. I make sure that it's locked, or else I'm going to die. It's locked. The platform sinks down, and we get lifted up. And then I yelled out the, yeah, the loudest, "Yeah, boy, of my life!" <laughs> and nothing happened. And I'm like, "Yeah, boy!" <laughs> and still, nothing happened. And then the platform came up, and then we got lowered down. And they said, "The Doomsday Destroyer is down." The Doomsday. I'm like, "What? What? What do you mean it's down?" And then I, I refused to go to another ride. I just stood there and just waiting for them to fix it up. They said they're going to fix it up as soon as they can. And we're waiting and waiting. There's actually a whole lot of people waiting and, and waiting. And I was a part of an angry mob. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to make a protest. So I'm like, hurry up! And people's following me, hurry up! A Part of the angry mob, and I was the instigator. I was the leader. Um... Don't do this, kids, but I walked up to the control room. (laughs) It's a restricted area. You don't meant to go there. But like the horror movies, I put my face right up to the window and just looking in. And what do I see? I see six people working like headless chickens, hysterical, just one's on the phone, one's on the laptop, two under some switchboard and two under the table. They were frantically, frantically working. Why? Why? For whose sake? For our sake. And here I am instigating a whole angry mob thinking that they're being lazy, but they're working so frantically behind the scene. And I, oh, I was thinking, give two hours back of my life. But if they didn't do that, I would have lost the rest of my life. Even though the ride was not functioning, the people behind the scenes were working. That's why they wouldn't let us on. Why? It was because for our best. It's for our safety. They weren't going to risk it, even though how irritated, how aggravated we will get. Something similar might happen to you if you fly a lot. Sometimes the plane won't fly, and a lot of us get annoyed when the plane don't fly on time. When they say, oh, the plane's filling up. And we're like, no, just hurry up, just, just fly already. But really, think about it. Would you want to fly on a plane that has insufficient fuel? It's not like you can park the car, find a servo somewhere. No, you just go right down. <laughs> or oh, hurry up, just fly the plane. But if you look outside the window, it's hailing. Do you really want to fly in that sort of weather? But how many times do we in our lives get angry at God when we wait for something from him? God, where's my boyfriend? Everyone else has a boyfriend. But where's mine? Maybe God's working on your man. Because when God presents him to you, he's not a boy, but a godly man who can spiritually lead you. Trust in God that he's working. Don't jump to any relationships too soon. Maybe because you are the one that's not ready. Because if you don't know how to spend time with God when you're single, what makes you think you can spend time with God when you're taken? God is withholding that something or that someone from you because he knows that if he gives you that someone, that someone will become an idol that will take you away from him. Trust God. He's working. He's good. And I can see some of the boys here, but Dexter... Vindo, but she's hot. I tell you what else is hot. Hell. God is working. It is like metaphorically cooking you some chicken. Hear me out on this. But before the chicken's even cooked, we whip up and take a bite at it. And you know, raw chicken is savage. It's bad for you. How would I know? I know for a fact because I've experienced this. Did I stop at one bite? No, I took many bites. And Frame, if you know Frame, he was there. And I actually said to him, Hey, Frame, this chicken looks a bit pink and it's a bit squishy. Is this cooked? And he said, Yeah, bro, it is. And so I kept eating. I kept eating this burger until the owner came out of the shop, saw the raw chicken, and just snatched it away from me. That's not going to happen with our Chick-fil-A tonight. Okay, it's going to be all good. The chicken's going to be perfectly fine. Guarantee it. Don't jump the gun. There's a Bible character by the name of Abraham He was waiting for a promised son for a long time because God promised him that through the son that the nations are going to be blessed. But Abraham jumped the gun and then he had Ishmael. And when he jumped the gun, they had all these sort of family dramas that wasn't necessary. And still to today, the brothers have been fighting. Their descendants have been fighting. But you know what? God was still so good that in the end he kept his promise to Abraham and God really didn't let humanity down. And he sent down to humanity a Messiah, a Jesus, who through him the whole world was blessed. And there was this story um, by a pastor that I know. His name's Nick, so Pastor Nick. He was uh, on a bus from the hotel to the airport. So he hops on this, this shuttle bus and is getting to the airport. But then 10 minutes on the road, the bus stops on the side of the highway. And everyone's a bit annoyed. Like, why did the bus stop? It's, it's not like any of the wheels popped or, or anything's wrong with the bus. Why did the bus stop? Everyone's a bit annoyed. But there was this one man in a business suit. He was mostly annoyed. And he goes up and he asks the bus driver, hey, what's wrong with the bus? Nothing. Then why aren't we going? Oh, I I was called from headquarters to to wait. Wait, wait, wait for what? What about my business trip? Because if I don't make it on that plane in time, my company is going to lose millions of dollars and I'm going to sue you. I'm going to make sure you lose your job. And then he just goes rank because he's stressing out because he's going to be late and he doesn't want to wait. Why wait when there's nothing wrong? The bus, quick, go now, go now. But then this bus lady driver just shakes her head and, Keeps cool, calm, and collected and says, sorry, sir, my company told me to wait. And so this businessman continues to throw abuse at this poor lady for 10 whole minutes until later on you hear a bang from the back of the bus and it's moving forward, forward. There's just this bang, bang, bang until to the door and this lady, you find this lady banging the door and the door opens. This lady says, sir, sir. I knew you were having a very important business meeting but you forgot your files, you forgot your project and I know how important this file was for that presentation and so I called up the company to make sure that they stopped no matter what so I could get this to you. So this businessman just takes these files and sits down awkwardly. But you see, if this man got to the airport the time that he wanted, he would have jeopardized his whole company. He would have jeopardized his whole presentation. Sometime God makes us wait because he loves us. He's doing something that's behind the scene that we don't know, but he's working. He's telling us to wait. He's telling us to wait because maybe we have forgotten something. There's many times in my life when ministry is going well, but then I find some setback and I figure out the reason why because, you know what, I'm just trying to please man instead of God and I forget the most important things that's about seeing salvation in people. Sometimes I get frustrated when the church isn't big enough that there's not many people here until God stops me and says, No, no, Dexter, that's, that's not the most important thing. God is gracious enough to stop me, to keep me close to him. Wait on God, guys. You'll never lose out. You'll never get ripped off. You'll never fall short if you wait on God. If you can trust that he's good, you can trust that he's working for your good. And I'll ask the band to come up as I finish the sermon. There was this father that went fishing with his three kids. As they get to the riverside, the father sets up the tent. He brings out the rod and then they cast the line. The sinker goes down and now they're just waiting for the fish to take bait. Five minutes in, two of the older kids like, this is boring. They throw their rods down and they go back to the tent and they entertain themselves with, with their phones. But they're still the youngest kid with the father, and now that his two oldest siblings are gone, this youngest kid can now express himself. And he turns to his dad and he says, "Daddy, Daddy, this is the best day ever." What do you mean it's the best day? This is the best day ever, Daddy. And the father gets confused and asks the son, "But, but, son, we haven't caught any fish. What do you mean it's the best day?" But then the son said. Daddy, it's the best day ever because I get to be with you. Because I get to be with you. Daddy, because you're here. You see, for this kid, it's not about the end product. It's about the process. What he would get in the end is nothing to the company that he already has. His father. Fish Or no fish, he still has his father. I hope you can be like the youngest in this story. Waiting on God isn't a torturous process. No, no, no. Waiting on God can be awesome. And while you're waiting on God, you can still enjoy God. Maybe when you're waiting, on God for for that something. Maybe during that time, God would do something with your heart and you realize, you know what? I don't even need that thing. Why? Because my father's here. What I will get in the end doesn't matter. Nothing compares to my dad. So wait on God because he doesn't grow tired. Wait on God because he's good. And wait on God because he's working. God bless you, church.